Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper, Josh Norris, and new addition to the actual office, Kyle Glazer making his in-person podcast debut we already trade deadline is not here. Trade deadline is not till next Monday, but we've already had enough. I would say it's fair to say we've had enough trades already that if nothing happened between now and next Monday, having already had a trade where Anderson Espinosa, one of the best prospects, pitching prospects in the game, gets traded to the Padres for Drew Pomeranz, and then today we have the Yankees trading left-hander Olds Chapman to the Cubs. Acquiring shortstop Glaber Torres, another top 30 prospect in our midseason top 100. Glaber Torres, right-hander Adam Warren, outfielder Billy McKinney, and outfielder Rashad Crawford. Those are two massive deals. So we felt like we needed to get together to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about what may happen between now and next Monday's actual trade deadline. So Kyle, welcome to the podcast. We'll start with you. What were your thoughts, and then we'll get to Josh, on what are you thought on the big deal of the day, Aroldis Chapman to the Cubs? You know, I like it for both teams. I think it was interesting reading some of the immediate reaction in the blogosphere was people freaking out, oh, the Cubs overpaid. And obviously, yes, when you're getting a reliever for, you know, two, three months of a season and you're giving up four prospects, you can see that, and there's an argument to be made there. But I go back to everything we talk about with prospecting and projection. The entire point of it all is to win a World Series. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the Cubs are very, very, very close. Even if they don't get it this year, they're in position to do so for the next few years where they have a lot of talent already on the field, some youngsters in the farm system that can come up. And they said, hey, we have a shot right now to do what every team wants to do, regardless of a 108-year drought. And I think when you look at that bullpen, I mean, they were 19 for 29 in save opportunities this year. 65% rate was 22nd in the majors. Now you add in Chapman. You also add in Mike Montgomery a few days ago. And all of a sudden, the one weak spot on this team becomes a strength. And when you have other good prospects in your system and you can afford to make that kind of move, dealing from a position of strength in their middle infield, I'd say you make that 100 times out of 100. Josh? I mean, pretty much the same. It's 108 years since you've won the World Series. I don't care if Glaber Torres turns into Derek Jeter. If you win the World Series, it doesn't matter. That's the that's the move. And I think someone on, I think it was Joel Sherman, made the point that this is kind of the, the same idea uh, as the Addison Russell deal a couple of years ago that Theo benefited from. They traded a big guy. They took a hard gulp, and they traded a big prospect with the goal of, hey, let's win the World Series. Pro- uh, prospects are nice, but rings are better. I do agree. I will say, I do think that this is, even though there's four players in it, funny thing, Billy McKinney was part of that trade as well. Yes. That was Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill for Edison Russell and Billy McKinney. But the difference being, as good as Glaber Torres is the prospect, Glaber Torres is a significant notch below right now as a prospect to where Addison Russell was at that time. Obviously, it's a reliever versus starter, so there's... Some, two starters. Two starters. Um, you know, but... The other part of it to me is that 
Yes, it, I agree with you guys absolutely. This is something where this is about the Cubs win the World Series this year. And if the Cubs win the World Series, nothing, and I do mean nothing after that, matters. But the other thing for the Cubs, or a couple other things for the Cubs on this, is it an overpay? Sure. Call them up at BaseballAmerica.com right now. One thing that you do with that significant pay, that overpay, a side effect of it is there are other teams out there that you're battling with, that, you're, that are other contenders. The Giants were in there. Supposedly the Giants were a team that a Rolls Chapman would have fit very well in the back of the Giants bullpen. The Nationals. The Nationals. You've taken him away. He's no longer an option for those teams. Go a step beyond that. Not only is he no longer an option, but you've now established the base rate for essentially two, well, really three months, because let's just be honest, it's August, September, October. But three months of a role as Chapman is a top 30 prospect, a swingman starter reliever in Adam Warren. A major league ready swingman right. starter reliever who you know can be in there and contribute right now. A top 350 type prospect in Billy McKinney. I think that's... No, I think that I don't think we go that deep yet. But, the, but <laughs> roughly, that's where he would if you took the BA grades and all. You know, he's a he's not a top hundred prospect. He's been in that range before a little bit or close to it. But he's you could say a top two hundred prospect, probably more like top three three fifty. And then a flyer on a guy in Rashad Crawford, who I wouldn't be shocked if Rashad Crawford had a big league career. That's what it costs to get three months of role as Chapman. If you're trying to acquire make the counter move and you're trying to acquire Wade Davis or Andrew Miller or one of these other top tier closers. And again, let's note that in Miller and Davis's case, they're under club control for longer. You've just ensured that some other team doing that is going to have to pay a really high price. And by doing so, you may keep them from doing it. And that's another benefit. If it's, Again, this is all about winning it this year. And the other thing for the Cubs is that it doesn't preclude them. Nothing about this deal. They're not hurting themselves even for 2017. Really, you could argue for 2018 because they have Zobrist, Russell, and Baez locked up. And Haps in AA. He'll be there right. sooner than Torres would. No team. I would say at this point, no team who has a chance to win it can look at it and say, this is going to hurt us four to six years out. Because it, the reality of it is, is four to six years out, if you're a contender... If you've done it right, you're probably not going to be content in, con- in contention. If you've got a young team like the Cubs do, four to six years out is when that becomes impossible. They're a large revenue team, but I want your guys' thoughts on this. But Chris Bryant, all these guys, Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Javier Baez, Ben Zobrez contract will be up. John, Le- John Lester, Jake Arrieta, all these guys are either going to be in the very expensive portions of their careers, last year of arbitration, hitting free agency and you have to be re-upped or they'll be in some cases like John Lester at the end of contracts where they're at the expensive end where they're also older or I mean you're getting you're not gonna be able to afford all these guys you can't worry about what the Cubs right now you can't worry about Chicago Cubs 2020-2021 if you have a team that right now is, is set to be a World Series contender no so. they've been saying wait till next year for a century yeah well, I think it's funny, too. I always kind of get a kick out of when various people write things like, well, so-and-so will be a free agent in three years, so they should move him now. It's like, do you have any idea how much landscapes can change in three years? Just because something is true today doesn't mean it'll be true two months from now, let alone three years from now. So I agree. When you look at the Cubs and you say, hey, we have all this talent, 
by the way, Jake Arrieta might be gone after this mm-hmm. year. So you say, we have our frontline ace. We have this core of talent that's not just young talent anymore. They're blossoming into bona fide stars regardless of age. They're, yeah, I was going to say, the, they're right now under pre-arbitration stars in right. multiple cases. Chris Bryant is a star. He's also pre-arbitration. Right. Addison Russell is one of the better young shortstops in the game. Not the best because it's really good right now. <laughs> but And he's pre-arbitration. Again, they're doing this. They haven't traded Kyle Schwarber. They have one of the better young bats back next year in Kyle Schwarber. Wilson Contreras has come up and hit a ton. I mean, exactly. There's, there's guys. So I agree. I think this is a good deal. And then, you know, like you mentioned from the Yankees' perspective, you bring in a top 30 potential middle infield prospect. You also have, you know, Billy McKinney, for all his, you know, his flaws, he's a 21-year-old left-handed hitter with a three fifty-five on base in A right now. It's not like he's, you know, a, a throw-in, you know, excuse my words here, but worthless piece. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. guy who can still do some things, even if he's not the first-round pick profile he, you know, was a few years ago. You know, you mentioned Rashad Crawford. This is a guy who's 70 for 87 in his career stolen bases. He has eight, right. eight, he tri- has... eight triples this year. You know, uh, 255, 327 in high A. He's not going to hit a the... ton, but... No, 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 no. Not that he's not going to hit a ton. He hasn't hit a ton yet, but... This is also a guy who was primarily a basketball player in high school who has taken a long time. There is, but we've seen the last two years significant steps forward. It's, it is very possible he'll never hit, but it's also something where he has not hit yet. But I would not, it's not, I've talked to scouts who would, who do think that there is a chance this guy ends up being, it's not impossible to believe that this guy could end up being a big league regular. He hasn't done it yet, but and he is Rule 5 eligible. This, I mean, this is the guy was a 2012 draft. But there is, like, there's something there with him, at least kind of fourth outfitter-wise. But, you know, he's also a guy who's toy with switch hitting. Now he's all left. There's a lot there that, like, is still coming together with him that may. You know, again, unlikely, but may. At some point, and as an aside... I think we need to get your Rule 5 mentions sponsored. <laughs> this is the Rule 5 mention brought to you by Five Guys. Yeah, the the other, Rule 5, yeah, five yeah, Guys, yeah. Five Guys Rule. But we have to get on our advertising. You know, the, the other thing that you mentioned, JJ, talking about the price. I mean, you look at the Ken Giles trade. You look at the Craig, both Craig Kimbrell trades. I, I think you mm-hmm. could argue. Now, obviously, there were different years of control in those factors. And But at the end of the day, I would argue that the teams acquiring those guys Paid more even than they might have in this deal. You look at what the Red Sox paid for uh, for for Kimbrel with Margot and Logan Allen and Aswahe and, and even Guerra. and Garrett, even though he's struggling. I think you even go back to Ken Giles where you get Vince Velasquez, who's all, you know ready to right. be a bona fide ace. Mark Capel, who's injured but having this Tom Eshelman, who's a high draft pick. I mean, there's this is what good bona fide stopgap relievers cost is a lot of good prospects. That's the facts of today's game. Right, it is true. No, I agree. And the one thing with those is, is like with Giles, you're giving up a lot, but you're also getting a long time of right. control. Right, and that, and that More control in Kimbrel's case as well. But the other thing from the Yankees' side on this is this obviously, this one move does not guarantee that they're selling completely off. There's still this glimmer of hope, and this bullpen is good enough that you could trade away our oldest Chapman and still make an argument that you're in it. But it does mean, I mean, this was a, you, you just got to give a lot of credit to the front office. This is a team that they bought as low as you could buy on Rolls Chapman. When Rolls Chapman had literally, the news had just come out about Rolls Chapman facing a suspension for a domestic violence uh, incident. 
they bought them at that point. The Reds sold off at the absolute lowest point of value. They trade a deal that looks epically worse now from the standpoint of it's rookie rookie Davis, Eric Jagailo, Caleb, uh, Caleb Cotham, and Tony, and Tony Renda. Renda. None of which, none of those guys were a top 150 prospect at the time of the trade. And the Yankees get, they basically find out the results of the suspension, which let's be honest, again, is there a, a negative aspect to this as far as you've added someone who's under a cloud of a domestic violence allegation? Yes, but on the as far as the pure baseball side of it, the reality of it is, is that they, the uncertainty of the suspension was not that uncertain because if it had been a longer suspension, he still would have been back come playoff time and he would have had an extra year of team control, which would have more than made up for any time you missed in May or June. They wait till the suspension happens. He comes back from the suspension. He's throwing as hard as ever. He's been actually better than ever this year. And they turn around and essentially get more, significantly more than they paid to acquire, than they paid to acquire him. Absolutely. This is, you know, this is something like Drew. This is, again, we've seen this twice because that's also what the Padres did with Drew Pomeranz. With Drew Pomeranz, they traded away Yonder Alonso. Mark Drepsinski. And Mark Drepsinski to get uh, Drew Pomeranz and... Jose Torres. Right. Who's been a nice addition. So, again, I mean, this is now taking into tangents. The Padres, there's understandably A.J. Preller, GM of the Padres, has faced a lot of criticism for a lot of their moves. And since he's arrived, they went for it last year and they should not have gone for it. And they ended up saddled with contracts. Matt Kemp's contract looks bad to have for long term. But on the flip side, what we are seeing this year, the Drew Pomeranz, they got, they added value to that and they bought low, sold high. Right now, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Melvin Upton. Who they acquired in the you know they acquired in one of those Braves trades simply because they had to right <laughs> it was it was you get more prospects from us if you'll take this yeah okay they did that and now Melvin Upton actually appears to have actual trade value he's been you know actually not just a, he's been a very very good outfielder since so he came off that injury last year the first month he struggled and since July one of last year. He's been excellent offensively and defensively. I, you know, I look at a lot of teams out there right now, and look, he's an upgrade in the outfield for Washington. He's an upgrade in the outfield for Baltimore. He's an upgrade in the outfield for Cleveland. He's an up, a bona fide upgrade for a lot of teams in contention. Which is crazy to think. Yeah, you know, and, and I actually, um, when I was covering the Padres these last years, you know, he's smiling again. He's relaxed. The guys in the locker room like him, which was not the case in no. Atlanta. I mean, he's no. he's really just been able to relax and play baseball and, and be out of the spotlight. And I think if you put him on a team like a Washington or a Baltimore with kind of that, that strong manager who, you know, can get the best, the most out of their players, I think that's a good move for them. Josh, the other thing I wonder before we move on from this trade, the Yankees portion of this. The Yankees have had a very, very old roster. Been saddled by a lot of long-term contracts that they're in the back end of them. They're starting to pull out from some of those. Teixeira, A-Rod, Sabathia is at least, there's less years left in it. Yes, unless he injures his shoulder. But, so they have that. But it does feel like for the Yankees, for the first time in quite a while, 
this is a Yankees team that's starting to have the pieces of the next Yankees team playoff team in, in there. Yeah, they I mean they had uh we all forget about him, but Greg Bird was up last year mm-hmm. and did his thing uh, and then hurt his shoulder, so we'll see if uh if he's good come 2018 when uh, Teixeira is gone. Um not 2018, 2017. Um Rob Ruff Snyder's been Rob Ruff Snyder's been okay. Um, I don't. He still doesn't really have a place on the diamond. He's not going to be a second baseman, and he's a backup for them. He's, but basically, he's getting a shot. He's a guy who's been productive for a while in the minors. Sure. Um, Jorge Mateo is down in High A, and I think he's probably now their number two prospect behind uh, Mr. Torres. Yeah, I think um, you have to sit the bat for Torres. I mean, is he? Younger? I mean, they made the point in, at lunch today. Just look at our top. 30 ranking or yeah. top 50 rankings. He's going to think ahead of them. <laughs> this is why we do this midseason list. <laughs> yeah. So Torres, and as it happens, uh, my, my wish has come true, they are sending Torres to high A to play with Mateo. And Mateo, it sounds like, is going to move over to second base uh, for the time being. Um, which is So they'll have them both on the same team, which will be very interesting. And uh, myself and Hudson Belinsky and Will Bryant will all be in Florida next week. But those two will be at the East Coast Pro. And I'm sure I'll make a couple stops at Lakeland where... The Yankees will be for two consecutive day games for some reason. Um, so I'll see those guys, and I bet you Rashad Crawford winds up there. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, it really has. But they also have uh, another piece we forget about. Uh, Severino got called back up today mm-hmm. to somehow take the Adam Warren role that they have Adam Warren now. <laughs> I think he's going to pitch in the seventh inning, it sounds like. He's going to relieve. So I don't quite know what that is. And another guy we forget about, Vicente Campos, got moved up. Uh, to, to fill Severino's spot, and that's the guy from if, so many trades ago from the Pineda-Montero uh, trade, and as a s- sweet bit of serendipity, tonight he will face Jesus Montero <laughs> against exactly. Buffalo. Which is awesome. Yes, baseball. as Donnie Collins wrote on Twitter, uh, baseball is a, is a fantastic game played in a very small world, and then you know laid out the compost scenario, and I think that's a great way to put it. This team has a lot of pieces. I don't. I think the two at the top, Mateo and Torres, are the and a lot and of judge schools, we forget about. Cause he's been gone for about a month or but, three weeks. And then a lot of guys at the lower levels percolating too, because then you still have the Blake. You have Blake Rutherford. Blake Rutherford. You have the, the international spinning spree of a couple of years ago. All that, their California guys with James Caprillion and Drew Finley. Yeah, Caprillion's gonna get back Tyler, on a mound again. But yeah, about yeah. Tyler Wade. I mean, there's there's guys. You know, they, Tyler Wade is a guy. Yeah, I like Tyler Wade as a nice sleeper. As a guy who he's not gonna again. It's not gonna. You be look much. behind him and you go. <laughs> Hmm. Gregorius ahead of me, Mateo and Torres behind me. It's tough, but Hoy June Park, Kyle Kyle Holder, Abiavilino. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's guys. Wilkerman there. Garcia. There, no, it's, it's a, there's guys in that system. And, and, the, and a point was brought up on the Twitter machine about why do you have a shortstop? Why do you get a shortstop in Glaber Torres? You've already got twelve shortstops. Because shortstop, shortstop is the most valuable position on the diamond, arguably. And Torres, and, and Torres is really good. And to, right, at a certain point. You and you can possibly take some of these guys and flip them for other pieces. Right. Again, shortstop is never a bad thing to have shortstops or who catchers can hit. or pitching. Shortstops who can hit. If you, have a, if you have five shortstops who are good defenders but can't hit, that doesn't necessarily help you that much. But no. shortstops can move elsewhere. That's, never, that's not really a problem. Yeah. But, well, I mean, so that's what's happened so far. And we talked a little about, I mean, that it does seem like that this year the price to play in the big, you know, to, uh, the big ticket items, there are no massive discounts this year. This year is a year where the price is so far been very significant, even if you want a mid of the rota- middle of the rotation starter. Not, we're not talking about guys who are front-end guys. I mean, again, 
There's the no front David end guys, prices this year. There's no the know. front end guys is if Chris Sale gets traded, they ask for five big time prospects, and even with his weird scissory ways, <laughs> which <laughs> probably don't affect his trade value. No, much. I mean, but yeah, they, they the the Yankees just got a top thirty prospect for a domestic abuser, right? So yeah, it's not it's not going to affect him much, but it does mean. That's going to be. There are very few teams who can play in that pool if you're going to do it just on prospects, because then you are talking about here. Let me give you my farm system, and it better be a good one. Yeah. But we do have. I mean, we we have kind of a delineation right now of teams who are in it. It feels like we have a better idea of who's in it, and who's not, than we did even just a couple of weeks ago. Let's go around and like. Just kind of a, a quick little synopsis of what these teams doesn't mean that all of them are going to try to trade significant prospects, but like you look at, we'll start in the West, uh, the AL West. We have really the Rangers and Astros are most definitely in it, and the Mariners are on the periphery. I don't feel like, I mean, just to move on from the Mariners, I don't feel like that they're in it enough to where they're going to mortgage the future. For this glimmer of hope, they don't really have a farm at this point. And so now they have like a barn. Well, I would say they have. You know, I'm 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 on the Tyler O'Neill bandwagon. The things I'm hearing about how legit his power is, I think that's a guy you could make a cornerstone trade around. But again, he's the one guy. But they have to have something to put around that cornerstone trade. Otherwise, it's just a stone. Right. And then you're looking at guys like you know Nick Nieder and Andrew Moore, guys who are you know decent pitchers, but no you front get, line guys. You couldn't get. Yeah, you couldn't play in the uh, Aroldis Chapman type stuff. Right. That. You could right. get. To me, that's the, those are pieces to get you a second tier guy. Like, like we, you know, again, you're Jeremy Hellickson, Andrew Kashner. Well, see, I don't I, think I, I, I was gonna say Kashner. I think is pre, probably too rich for the Mariners at this point. I don't think Tyler O'Neill could be the cornerstone of that. I think he, I think if you had Tyler to, to put it on our team, like the Giants, to me have similar type top end guys to Tyler O'Neill because you've got. The Chris Shaw's and the Christian Arroyos and the Tyler Beatties and Phil Bickford, Phil Bickford, yeah. and those kind of guys who are—they're not that top thirty guy, but they are top hundred guys. But what they have, if they for a move like that, that the Mariners don't have, is the volume to go with it. I don't know if the Mariners have a fun, but again, I don't think the Mariners are in it enough that'd be worth doing either. So, but like, but then you look at—I think the Astros undoubtedly could. I don't know if they will, but if they wanted to, they could. Again, this is when we're talking about, they just called Alex Bregman up, but between Bregman and Goriel and Joe Musgrove and Francis Martez and David Paulino and Kyle Tucker. And Miguel Angel Sierra. And, you know, they've got all kinds of pieces if they wanted to, but at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, they just paid a hefty sum for Ken Giles. That didn't work out so great. No. And they've had real success with bringing a lot of their guys up and letting them, George Springer, turn into a star. Jose Altuve turn into a star. Carlos Correa turn into a star. They have, you know, done that to where maybe the best help they have is that they brought up Bregman and they can bring up Guriel. And then if they need another arm in the pen, then maybe it's a Martez down the road who could be... Or all 6-7 of David Paulino. You know, yeah, exactly. Or if they need a starter, Joe Musgrove maybe is that guy. They have all these kind of options where maybe they go internally. The Rangers are an interesting one because they would seem to be another team that if they wanted to play in the expensive uh, area of the trade, you know, that they could 
put together some sort of package, especially when you throw in that, I know Jerickson Profar right now is their first baseman, now the Prince Fielder's hurt, but may, you know, depending on what they're trying to acquire, maybe Jerickson Profar also becomes an available piece to go with. Gallo or Luis Ortiz or Brinson. Brinson. And another guy who's really jumped way up this year is Johander Mendez, who is an absolute stud pitching in high desert and then makes Which is not a fun place to... No, makes with double A and just got promoted to triple A. So, I mean, and then I think he got sent back. But, but I mean, the point is he still went up. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. point where, you know, you have now, like you said, you know, three top 100 guys and Mendez would, you know, you could argue. Borderline, yeah, borderline. I mean, so they, they've got those guys who can do it. You're right. And they've got, especially because they've got at the top. Now, Gallo is a guy, I think there are certain organizations who will be all in on Gallo and other organizations who probably say, no, that's not for us because that is high risk strikeout rate. To me, it's Adam Dunn. 230. 40 bombs, take it. If you, if you like it, take if it. If you like it, but with... You will not besmirch Adam Dunn in my presence. No, I'm not besmirching him. Yeah, he's not besmirching. He's Joey Gallo. Just, just Adam, making sure Adam we're setting Dunn, the rules Adam here. Adam Dunn was a darn good ball player for a long time. I mean, you can't hit 40 home runs exactly year after year after year Exactly on the nose year. every year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So for, for Joey Gallo, you know, it's take this idea of, oh my God, he might hit 280. I don't think... No, no, but no, if, if you're okay with... He'll give you 40 homers, but he's going to hit 220 doing it. Some orgs are, some orgs aren't. It just depends on the management style. I think Go he's he's a three-true three, three true outcome player with a three-true outcome career. Dunn, Russell Brannion, Cody Johnson. These are your three true outcomes. I do think he'll be better. I think it's very likely. Actually, he's already been better than Cody Johnson. He got to trip. Well, he, Cody got to He triple. played in the big leagues. He's hit yes. a homer in the big leagues. Off Clayton Kershaw. That yes. right there means hey, he's even, already exceeded. Even Russell Brandon had one really, really good year with I mean, Seattle. Russell Brandon, what, has like 10 years career? Russell Brandon, I believe, is 183 career home runs. Which, which, yeah. I I someone looked that up if you're listening. I'm, I promise you I'm not on B-Rough when I do that. But you would hear Russell, the clacking of the keyboard. Russell Brannion, uh, I, I, I did follow his career rather closely. Yeah. He was fun. So, but so those are the West. In the Central, at this point, we just talked about, I do think that we probably have to lump the White Sox and the Royals into the sellers, not buyers standpoint. And if you think the Yankees got a king's ransom for a role to see what the, White, the Royals could get for Wade Davis. I do think, again, I think that there are. I, I think that that market has been established that you have to say, yeah, I do think right now Aroldis Chapman is viewed as potentially a superior option from the standpoint that right now, at this moment, he's throwing better than Wade Davis. But yes, Wade Davis is under team control for longer, and he does not have any uh, character issues that have you know arisen, anything like that. He hasn't been suspended by MLB in the last ever. But He hasn't know. been visited by the police that we know. Right. So, all that... So those are in the sellers. I do think that the the Tigers, I mean, they are in that borderline buyer-type ter- territory. Again, that's a team they can buy. Everyone can buy something. Even if the Tigers were a little closer to the Indians, felt better about things, I don't think that this is a team that's in condition to be massive buyers. They do not have the top... No, to your I mean, prospects right. to sell. What do you guys part, and part of that was, you know, they acquired, you know, David they Rice. Did, they did they, it last they, year. They, you know, and they, there's guys that, you know, it it drains you a little bit because they've been buyers for so long. And Toronto, you know, when we get to Toronto, they're drained because they well, did everything last year to try to win it. If the Tigers wanted to play in that pool, might they deal Dan Norris? 
Who's, that would be, but but I mean, it's it uh, that would be you know. I think Michael Fulton, but the problem Michael is that de- dealing with those guys is counterproductive because they need you know they're two really good young control of our arms. That's not what you trade. That's what you keep. It's, you would you know, if you're trying to win it this year. I mean, trading like because to me, Fulmer probably even has more value at this point. But if you trade Fulmer, then you've hurt the chances. But I mean, the other thing you look yeah, at, you look at, you look at the way Michael Fulmer and Daniel Norris are oh, Fulmer at least is performing. It's as good as, if not better than, a right. lot of these guys yeah. on the trade market. Yeah. So it, they're yeah, no, I don't think we. Yeah, that was my bad to bring full rings. Yeah, but no, I mean, so that's kind but of the thing. Point. But um, but that does leave. I do think that the Indians have the pieces. Absolutely. They just moved two of them today. They moved two up. They yeah, moved triple. Yes, yes, yes. They moved Frazier. They moved them. They moved them up. Right. They're, they're, yeah, oh. but they're but Frazier and and you know. Clint Frazier, Bradley Zimmer moved up to AAA. Bobby Bradley, Justice Sheffield, Francisco, Francisco Mejia, which Tristan McKenzie, I, Brady Aiken. I mean, these are all guys. There's no question. I think Juan Hillman. Yeah, you, you have all these guys. At the same time, though, if you're the Indians, this is where it's a very tough call. Because if you're the Indians, what you have is a revenue-constrained team, and you're good right now. You have if those guys are a lot of those guys aren't that far away. You could trade, uh, make a trade, and still feel like you've left enough in the farm system that you're not hurting too bad. But if you go too deep into that, then you start asking the question: Is this team good enough that you're willing to start mortgaging two, three years down the road? And that's a that's a tough call for that. And that's team. where you know it's going to be interesting, interesting to see what they do. If they trade all five of their main guys, they've made a mistake. If they trade one or two of them, I think they're fine, and I think it's it's really a matter of you know shades, if you will, because they got. I mean, for one, Zimmer and Frazier, you pick one, and you can probably say, okay, well, we can trade one of those two. Yeah. Two. Well, the other thing the Indians are in a unique position with is their pitching is excellent. A lot of these other teams are dying for pitching. Mm-hmm. The Indians are in good shape on that front. What and how did they that? get those rotation arms? Smart trades. There you go. And good drafting, just like pretty much every. No, I'm just saying, like that's a, that's such an interesting. A lot of those guys were trade guys. I don't think yeah, and Trevor development Bauer, too, because Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, a lot of Carlos guys, Carrasco. Yeah, a lot of these guys were they needed. No, Dave Salazar's then. But again, they've and they've really done a good job of development because a lot of those guys have taken significant strides forward. But I do think that they can, and then the question is, is will they? Then you look at the East. The Red Sox already have, but the crazy thing is, is the Red they Sox can do more. Sure, can do a bigger deal than that if they want, because they traded away one of the best pitching prospects in the game, and I think undoubtedly at best that's the third best prospect. That's how we rank them. But beyond that, I think I don't think you would have any many teams that would rather take the risk of low A eighteen year old Anderson Espinosa over. The double A Yoan Mankata position player or double A position player Andrew Benintendi. You could get literally, I mean, just about anything that's available on this market you can get for Yoan Mankata. I mean, he's would I, be the best chip, I would imagine. He'd be the best prospect chip. Yes, not the other way around. Right, best prospect chip. Again, some team might be able, you know, again, I don't think that there's teams willing to trade the Corey Seegers and all the world right. who've just graduated. Right. But Mankata gives you the best chip. Man- and you look at the Red Sox, they do have to, you know, they also have, if they want to make more of those lower tier deals, they've still got a lot of really good, interesting prospects in their system who there is no room for them, none coming up. I mean, they traded away, 
in the last year, they've traded away Manuel Margot, Javier Guerra, Logan Allen, Anderson Espinosa, Anderson Espinosa, Wendell Rijo, Aaron Rijo, Wilkerson, Carlos Carlos Esquahe. And the reality of it is, is that they still have guys like Marco Hernandez, and you know who's a middle infielder, who's in AAA, who's played the big leagues. Is he a star? Probably not. But there are teams that I think that Marco Hernandez could be a starter for several for the next several years for at a very expensive price. And Marco Hernandez, his best hope, best hope as a Red Sox is to be a utility infielder. They have, you know, again they could trade Blake Swihart to a team that likes Blake Swihart and go, you know what, we can live without that. We only have the reality is this, if you're the Red Sox, is they only have opening up in the next couple of years, barring injury or other trades. DH, David Ortiz, third base, okay, because at this point, you really probably can assume that Pablo Sandoval, you know, but they are, they do have Travis, Travis Shaw. Shaw has been they do have Travis Shaw, Shaw, but there's a possibility that Mankata, or if he moves to third, could supersede him. And then you could argue left field, because they got a center fielder, they got, I mean, they've got Bradley and Betts. Okay, so you got one spot out there maybe. And again, not that they're really even hurting out there right now, but... Okay, so what does that do for Basabe? What does that do? I mean, again, you have more guys than you have spots. Rafael De- Devers, you got all these guys. And then on the pitching side, you still got Kopech you could trade or you could keep, obviously. Guys like that. I mean, they could still go out and say, this isn't enough yet. The, the Blue Jays are likely a playoff team. But they don't have the, the weapon. They did it last year. Right, they, they don't have it anymore. The, the pieces to make the moves. They and traded, what was it, 17 players last year to make moves? Enormous number. It's yes. crazy. So, and then the Orioles, who right now all of a sudden, after leading for a long year, are kind of looking up a little bit. At, you know, they don't, I mean, it, you know, not to go on a rant here, but, you know, underst- I understand completely. Dan Duquette was asked at a recent thing, uh, uh, you know, why is our farm system, uh, Orioles fans said, why is our farm system, you know, struggle and like it does and all and it ranked near the bottom and all and his point was look the same people who rank these farm systems says that we're going to be at the bottom every year which is not true you know because we rank farm systems and we don't really you know i have, I have the orioles winning these this year you know so yeah. so not true necessarily but the other thing though is is that no the orioles farm system's not very good and the reality of this is that that's not why the orioles have won in recent years the guys that they've had homegrown They've, they've done a good job of developing one really good piece every now and then. Manny Machado was a star. Yeah, he, this is the top 20, was a top 15 prospect who's turned out to be just everything like that that they hoped. Um, Matt Wieters has been a little bit disappointment compared to the, the very expectations. lofty expectations. But Matt Wieters has been a, a very solid everyday catcher. He was the number one prospect in the game when he was coming up. It's been a lot of trades. I mean, but the reality is, is yeah, this, this is not a lineup built from within. This is a lineup built from astute trades. Chris Davis, Chris Tillman, Adam Jones. I mean, all these guys were trades. Yeah, that trade, man, the Chris Tillman, Adam Jones trade, what, what was that, seven years ago? That's, that's, a, that's a franchise builder. That's where, again, if one of these teams that's selling does it right, this is what you can do. Right? And that was for Eric Bedard. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I, one of the articles I want to eventually do when I have more time is go back and look at all these, you know, four-for-one 
pitcher for prospect trades. And if you can get it right, you can do wonderful things. You look at the Brewers with getting Alcides Escobar and actually the Royals with Alcides Escobar and Lorenzo Cain and the Zach Granke deal. But then you have a lot more often than not, you know, you have the Johan Santana type deal where it doesn't work out. The so. one guy worked out eventually. I mean, look at look at what Cliff Lee kept going for. And you look at, I mean... Oof, Justin Smoke. and yeah. You, know, you look at Cliff Lee, I mean, there was a trade that uh, essentially the Phillies got Philippe Amont. Philippe Amont, J.C. Tyson Ramirez, Gillies. and Tyson Gillies. That, Thank you. I've been trying to remember the third piece of that trade you, for a week. If you bomb on those that kind of trade, it also kills you. Right. Because, so. I mean, you look at this... You look at what CC Sabathia got at the deadline, and the reality is, is Michael Brantley ended up being good but eventually. Laporta didn't work out, but Laporta didn't work. I mean, that was you know there there's been Carlos Carrasco worked out on these trades, but that was a Carlos Carrasco, Jason Donald, Lou Marson. I mean, it's been there's been these deals, and there is something to be said for for what you know, like if you're a Cubs fan today and you're gnashing your teeth because you gave up Glaber Torres. The reality is, is I know I saw also on Twitter yesterday someone, you know, there was points being like, look, the Reds have one of the worst bullpens in baseball, and they're 29 and 1 when they lead heading into the ninth. Okay. There's some truth to that. At the same time, and everything's anecdotal here. The Mets had three games last year in the World Series where they led in the seventh, eighth, or ninth that they lost. If you were the Cubs now, and you have Chapman to pitch the ninth. And by the way, not just the ninth, but in the postseason, with all the off days, he can often pitch the eighth and the ninth. And, as a weird silver lining, he has 30 days of, of that he wasn't used. Right, so he's a little, rest, a little you know, fresher. Cool. And, and, you know, by this you're taking innings away from Justin Grimm and Clayton Richard. It's not like, you know, you're, you're strengthening your entire bullpen. It's not just your strength. Hector Rondon now becomes the eighth inning guy. Stroke in the seventh. Who, Mike Montgomery against lefties in the sixth. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Rondon in the postseason also pitch. If you basically, again, they can do the Royals plan where you say, tonight it's two innings from this guy, one inning from this guy, which means seventh, eighth, ninth. Tomorrow night, we'll, or two nights away, because usually it's an off day, two days from now, it'll be one inning for this guy and two innings for this. That's seventh, eighth, ninth. Strokes pitching the sixth or seventh. <laughs> Mike Montgomery, they can go lefty matchup because they've got Montgomery and Wood. And oh yeah, by the way, they know they've got a role as Chapman, who's <laughs> a lefty at the back of the I pen. Think we've built six innings here. Do we even need Arietta and Lester? <laughs> but but no, the, but especially the point is is that look, as great a year as Kyle Hendricks is having, Kyle Hendricks in the postseason, that's you're looking at to me. That's a four to five inning guy. You're not looking. You do not want Kyle Hendricks pitching the seventh. You don't need Kyle Hendricks to pitch the seventh. Two what? two on the road, game five. You know he's at one oh one oh one. You do, you don't want him out there. You if he's at eighty and you're <laughs> saying okay, it's a key situation. What this allows you to do is say, let's play matchup the rest of the game. We've got five or six guys. Again, Joe Nathan could end up being part of this for the Cubs as well. He's trying to make his way back. They could have. One of those, this is, again, this is what the Yankees were trying to build this year. And did build. And did build. And then now, you know. but There are the, just other issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one issue they got right. They, they got that one right. They had trouble with everything else. Yeah. But, okay, going to the NL. Well, so I want to recap yeah. the AL. So we basically decided Houston, Texas, Cleveland, Boston, yes, they have the pieces. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, Toronto, Detroit do not. Right, and again, that doesn't mean they can't make trades. If the Angels could trade for Houston Street a few years ago, any team can make trades. By the way, that was one that worked out really well for them. 
Uh, I, uh, but my favorite part of all that is they somehow they convince the Padres to give them Trevor Gott as well, who's doing yeah. pretty well. They got Houston Street and Trevor Gott for. Don't look at me. Elliot, Elliot Morris, Jose, Jose Rondon, Rondon, RJ Alvarez, and Alex Yarbrough? No, 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 Yarbrough was already there. It was someone else who. Uh, oh, Taylor Lindsay. Taylor Lindsay. Oh, I got my. That was the rare trade that I was covering the Cal League in depth at that time. That was the rare trade you saw it and you're like, the Padres are so dumb. Like, And you knew it the moment it happened. It wasn't a trade that you look back on. It was like. What? And that the was, fact they gave got on top of it, the make, Padres somehow managed to give away the two best players with the two brightest futures in the whole league. That that is kind of crazy to be honest. And we yeah. knew at the moment it happened, but in a completely different story, most of the people that were involved in player decision, uh, player evaluation from those days are now no longer in that organization. Completely but, related story. <laughs> um, but so now we go to the NL. The Cubs could still make other moves of the major or minor variety because. Again, even though they've traded away Gleyber Torres, well, this is actually, okay, this is tangent. I'm going to put both of you on the spot. If you're the Yankees and you've got to the cornerstone guy for this, you've got your choices. Gleyber Torres, Ian Happ, or Eloy Jimenez. And again, I don't know that all three were on the table for this, but let's say that they are. And you can have one of those guys as the cornerstone guy. I'll start with you, Josh. Who, who do you take as the one guy between Torres, Hap, or Jimenez. Torres, he's a shortstop. You can move him. It's uh, get Hap is not going to play shortstop for you. No, cannot. I hope Eloy is not going to play shortstop for you. <laughs> that would be very surprising. So Torres, <laughs> it's for a big you. boy. What about you? So I I skew toward the guys who have proven things at higher levels more, and to me that's Ian Hap uh, in the sense that he's climbed very quickly. And even though he's not a shortstop, if you have a really good hitting second baseman, that's still pretty darn valuable. So, I mean, to me, just what he's accomplished, the time frame he's accomplished, and the fact he still does play a prime position where offense is not a guarantee, to, you know, to me, I, I might make that move. But, again, I'm not going to, you know, slam the Yankees for taking Torres over Hap. I think either way you're getting a pretty well, darn good ball We don't even know if Hap is on the table. Right. And then I, I would say, for me, the interesting thing in the debate would be I could see the argument for Jimenez. Jimenez, to me... I love you. I, I Jimenez, the argument for Jimenez is, is if you want the potential biggest payoff. I do think that Jimenez, of the three, has the chance, the biggest chance to be a star. But again, I probably end up taking Torres, the shortstop argument being, I think short, Torres has the best chance of being... Torres could be a... You know, Glaber could be a star... But he also, I think it's a very high floor because kind of the worst case scenario is, is he's a solid second baseman. Hap I, is right there. I mean, these three guys are all right there. I, I do think with Hap, there's like at least still this glimmer of question of, is he a second baseman long term? And if he's not, then the value takes a hit. But again, all three of them are very, and this is why the Cubs, can if they want they to did. do it again, they can because... You've traded away Torres, but you could make Eloy Jimenez or Ian Happ the starting point, and that doesn't include. Then you've got the Dylan Ceases, and you've got. I mean, there's other guys that they could include. They could make another one of these four-player deals if they wanted to, and and the reality is that there still will be something left in the system. Absolutely. But, but that's the Cubs. Let's just go through the Central. The Cardinals. Alex Reyes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Although again. That's to me, biggest pitching chip on the table. To me, the question is: Is well, what are you trying to acquire? Because if I'm trying to acquire pitching, 
I probably won't trade Alex, especially if I need well, relief again, help. I'm not trading Alex Reyes to get relief help. And again, it's something you look at who are the guys on the market. You know, outside of Chris Sale, if you can get Chris Sale, you you make yeah, because that's, but yeah. you don't trade him. You know, for Andrew Cash, or you don't trade him for Rich Hill. You don't trade him for all well, these guys in the market. Probably better off putting Alex Reyes at, you know, right. at least in your bullpen. <laughs> you know, it's right. one of those things where, I mean, Reyes is not. You know, he's not in, in low A here. I mean, he's he's a guy who's right. pretty darn close. Now, to if you wanted to say that. Junior Fernandez or Sandy Alcantara or Harrison Bader, Harrison right. that, Bader, or those guys so. are in a deal. Okay, you, you can do it. You can still get a, I think, I, a quality player for right. Some of those you, guys. you know, again, I, I could put to me. You could very well put together a package that gets you a Cashner that doesn't include Reyes because the Cardinals have enough depth to do that. But um, I don't think the Pirates again. They're kind of on this cusp. Are they, are they in it or are they not? I do feel like with the Pirates, I mean, tell me if you guys disagree, they're not in it enough to where you mortgage future to try to help this year. But the other thing is that I do think that their hope really comes from guys from within. I mean, yeah. they've, they've already brought up at some point or another Jamison Tyone and Josh Bell and Tyler Glasnow and Stephen Brawl and Chad Cool. Chad Cool. That's where they're going to get their help. Again, you know. If Long-term, they can make mother moves because at some point they've got three outfielders already and Austin Meadows isn't far right, away. That, that's my thing. You know, I, I agree with you. I don't think it would make a ton of sense for the Pirates to make a giant move here. But if they wanted to, they could because you could probably still use Meadows as a centerpiece oh, yeah. and do something big. So, again, it's one, I think Austin Meadows, Glaber Torres are not in different families as tiers. Oh, not as at all. Prospects. So it's one of those so, yeah. things where you're right. I, I, don't, I can't sit here and say, ooh, the Pirates, you know – would be brilliant for doing so because of where they are in the standings. But if they wanted to, they could. Absolutely. Which is more than can be said for a lot of other teams that are in, on the fringes of contention. So let's look at the on the West. There's only two teams we need to talk about. Three teams are sellers. Dodgers um, in the Giants. West, it's the Dodgers and Giants. Dodgers, yes. Hard yes. Definite yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, again, let's take Urias off the table. Ta- you can take Urias, Seager, you know, all both. You could even take De Leon off the table. You still have Bellinger, Verdugo, Grant Holmes, Andrew Sopko, and Josh Spores. By the way, are doing really well down in Ranch Cucamonga. They're drawing some interest from guys that I was at games with. Yeah, I mean, those are those are like there's enough there that there's enough there that they could, especially if Jose De Leon is kind of like your starting point, um, and Verdugo and Bellinger. Yeah, they're in any discussion they want to be in. Um, you, you can add Willie Calhoun in there. You can yeah, add, I mean, exactly. They have so pieces. Frankie Montez. Take your pick. Josh, what about the Giants? Do you think, I mean... No. No? No. Because they don't have the top-tier guy. Right. Reason. They don't have the centerpiece. They have the B-level prospects. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go D. I you said B. B. Okay, B. Yes, I, I agree. I would go yeah. D. I didn't yeah, I was like, no, that's, that's harsh. Me. Yeah. But the B-level, yeah. Yeah. But but I think, again, they, they have... You know, they're not in the in the situation of the Tigers or the Blue Jays where, oh, there's, no, there's not. nothing there. I mean, I still think you look at... You know Tyler Bede and Phil Bickford and Chris Shaw. I mean, you can still go get, a, you know, a good player. Even you know, there, there's even but they can't. There. I can see the argument though. But they can't be the top offer. Where it, yeah, like they can't be. They can't. The they reality can't is, is the Cubs. If right. The, Cubs the reality is, offer, is that like when it came down like an Aroldis Chapman and it and it rumored and have had done that. It's hard for them to compete with the Cubs because the Cubs. The reality with these deals is to me, if you look at past history. If you can get that top guy, 
You'd rather have the top guy in a deal than prospect four so-so guys. than four good ones. I mean, because again, you could map out a Giants trade when you talk about you know these guys. You are talking about guys who are top hundred caliber prospects, but you can make the argument that they're all they're mainly fifty to a hundred kind of or forty to a hundred guys. And the reality of it is, is that the hit rate on those kind of guys is significantly less than a top 20 guy. And seeing what the cost is now with, you know, again, Drew Pomeranz costs Andres, Anderson Espinoza and Chat, two months of Chapman cost Glaber Torres. I think, again, it goes back to as good as those guys might all be, just with what the market rate is currently. You'd have to do a lot of volume and find a team that's preferring right. to do volume to doing one or two cornerstone type guys. Right. The, the Nationals are the ones that. Oh, they can they can blow a lot of guys out of the water. They got to me. They have four guys who you can make a logical argument that they could trade, and who all four because I to me Trey Turner still fits in this group, right? Because they could trade. They've established that they can contend without Trey Turner. So if they had to trade Trey Turner, they could. Giolito, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Victor, Victor Robles. Robles. If you can get Victor Robles to stand a little farther from the plate, please. Otherwise, that's a long. That, that'll be fine. He's thirty hit now. No, he gets hit by pitches a lot, and you do not want to get hit by Michael Kopech. I did, and all he has is inflammation, which is amazing, which tells me he has the strongest hands ever. He's drank a lot of milk over the years, but <laughs> yeah. but you know, but they can yeah, they can be in if they want. But I mean, they're a team. But at the same time, okay, let's say Wade Davis is available. Do you want to give up? I mean, because again, like. Lucas Giolito for Wade Davis straight up, to me, is a as good as Wade Davis is. And as I made clear, I'm not an anti-Lucas Giolito guy, but I do not think that he is nearly as slam dunk as maybe I think sometimes the perception is. I, to me, again, he is not a guy who everything has come together. You are taking a big bet on the potential, but he doesn't miss as many bats as a guy... For all the talk of this guy having the best fastball, the best breaking ball around, Alex Reyes misses bats with one yeah. of the best fastballs, best breaking balls. Lucas Giolito does not miss bats at nearly the same rate. Usually that's a pretty good indicator that, again, people see the ball out of the hand pretty well with Lucas Giolito. But yep. but yeah, Giolito, again, my thing, though, is, is that I don't want, if I'm the Nationals, I don't want to trade one of those guys for Wade Davis I want to put Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito in my bullpen and believe that those guys can be the K-Rod, the Carlos Martinez of 2016. See, and I don't think that's going to work with Giolito specifically. I think it will work with Ronaldo Lopez. I think it will work with Lopez, and some people think that's where he's going to wind up anyway. But I think the problem, you just laid it out, he's not missing bats. People get good looks at him. I don't want that in my bullpen. But you know what? And the, he struggled and when he's in, been in the major leagues. They've been able to lay off the secondary stuff and sit on the fastball. And well, one I, thing I do wonder though is, is in a one inning stint, in a one inning stint where Giolito, instead of sitting ninety four, ninety five, can then be sitting ninety eight. Maybe it plays a little better. But I agree. I agree with you. It's not I a mean, slam dunk. Does, does it make the? Does it make him get the curveball over the plate anymore? But I mean, but in, in, they in, in, still in, sit on it, and major league hitters can still hit ninety seven, ninety eight. But I mean, in, remember. Carlos Ruiz hit 105. <laughs> yeah, that's By the way, thumbs up to you, Carlos Ruiz. Yeah, no, I know, but again, I mean, for purpose of this, I get what you're saying, JJ. You know, for all of Lucas Giolito's flaws, 
you're still, you know, talking about trading a potential long-time, long-term starter. Who has who's, who's effectively close, seven years of team control. Who's, who's close to the majors. Again, this isn't a guy who's in A-ball. This is a guy who's on yeah. the cusp, ready to help pitched, you. Pitched in the big leagues already. Yeah. I mean, his last outing, he didn't well, strike out a guy, which is a little bit... Padres hit him a little bit. But, you know, it's something where, again, I mean, he's young. It's his first stint. Plenty of guys, you know... By the way, speaking goal. of, again, I know that I'm, you know, a giant Ronaldo Lopez believer, but... His first start at the big league level, up and interesting. down, interesting, but as he always, as I said, he misses bats. Right. I mean, that was, what was it, ended up with eight? Uh, it was nine. Nine? But, I mean, someone made the point to me. I don't was remember who it was at this point. Or something? Yeah. Or something yeah. The difference between those two guys, and I forget who made the point to me, was uh, Giolito's delivery is clean. You can see the ball longer, whereas uh, Lopez... He stabs in front with his with his glove yes, hand, and, and he blocks you out, and you don't get a good look at the ball, and that that distracts the hitters, and that's partially why he misses bats. But here's the real question: If Kansas City Royals, if you call, if you're you know in the Washington Nationals, and you call the Kansas City Royals and say we're interested in Wade Davis, and they say Lucas Giolito is the centerpiece, do you say yes? Yes. Okay. I think, I so, think so too. Because here's another thing: we, we talked about the Cubs never winning the World Series, or not in front of 108 years. The Nationals haven't won it either. Nope. They and it, I, I think I forget the stat. Like they're the last the they are the last franchise to not appear in it or something. Expos slash Nationals and the Mariners. The only two teams left that have not appeared in the World Series. And the flip side of this is, if you're the Royals, it's easier to say yes to that and give away Cyborg Wade Davis <laughs> when you go when you're taking that call and as you're taking it you're looking at your finger and going there's this really nice ring sitting on here <laughs> i mean you've bought yourself because again the royals are coming to a cliff i mean the reality of it is is that they if they are sellers at the deadline that will help them have a softer landing because this team has a whole lot of guys who are all going to hit free agency at the same time and it's not that far away. And the Nationals have spent so much money acquiring pieces to get to the World Series. Let's get them there. I mean, if that means dealing Lucas Giolito, let's deal Lucas Giolito. You, you've invested money in in uh, in Strasburg, in Scherzer, in guys like that. Uh, I mean, you've got Harper forever. You've got a lot of, a lot of money invested in him. But, but, but the reality is, is that and Bryce Harper is not going to be there forever. No. I mean, he, he's going to let, I mean, you know, it just seems confident that Bryce Harper is going to be in Yankee Stadium one day. So, well, should they play in a league? The other consideration, too, is, you know, we're not talking about, about this in a vacuum. We've established the Dodgers can make moves mm-hmm. if they want. The Cubs can make moves if they want. The Cardinals can make moves if they want. And the Nationals, these are the teams the Nationals are going to be facing in the postseason. So let's get the last two in there because, who are, I mean, we do have to say the Marlins, yeah. credit to them. They're in it. They're in it. Absolutely. Now the Marlins are shopping. They're in, they're shopping in the big lots area. They're not. They're not. They're not and, at Neiman Marcus. They're not. You know. They're not on Amazon.com. They're looking at big lots to see what can they. What can we get into here? You know that will fit for us. And they just got a little more motivated because it sounds like Wei and Chen needs Tommy John. Whew. That's not good for them. But that's <laughs> that does mean like. But they're they do not have the pieces. Like it, if. If they're come down an edict from ownership, a roll of Chapman needs to be ours. They could not put together the package for that. If Chris Sale's available, they can't put together the package for that. The prospects are just not there to do that. They are again. When you say that Jeremy Hellickson's available, that makes sense for them. And to stay on that team, if you want a, back, a bullpen guy, 
Jean-Marc Gomez, I think, is going to... So they're going to get something for Jean-Marc Gomez at this deadline. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look smart doing it. He's not sexy like Chapman or Miller or Davis. But he's getting results. But I will say this, though. Yeah. I mean, all, and they've got a... I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, that... And this is a team that's built... I mean, A.J. Ramos has been really good for them. This is, again, shopping on the bargain bin has worked out really well for them. But the, the other thing, too... Uh, A.J. Ramos, one of my highlights in the nine unlikely All-Stars. You know, with, with, with the Marlins, you look at this team, though... This is still a good team. It's not like you look at them and say, oh, there's Giants. Look, that outfield with Yelich, Ozuna, Stanton, even with Stanton slumping, still pretty darn good. You look at, you know, a lot of the guys they've had come up and contribute throughout the lineup this year. I mean, Martin Prado's older. He's had a nice year. I mean, they lost D. Gordon, the reigning NL batting champ, and they've stayed competitive all year. They've had guys come up and down the rotation and been effective. I mean, I think this is a team that, while there are holes, I think they can get away with making that second-tier trade, improving on the margins, and still getting an NL wildcard spot. But the reality is that I think for them, success is getting to the playoffs. And they're going to get D. Gordon back soon. Correct, but I'm saying that's... Very soon, I think. So, you know, and, and really it comes Although he can't play in the postseason now. So. It's true, but he can get you there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, for the Marlins, you know, they, they're, they're in an interesting spot because I, I would argue, look, the Dodgers have some issues that you could say they you could argue the Dodgers need to make a big trade more than the Marlins do. I'm not saying there's not, you know, a fight there, but I think you could make that argument. Um by the same notion that Bryce Harper's not going to be there forever. Jose Fernandez is not going to be there forever either. No. I mean, they gave all their money to uh or at least for Giancarlo. now until he opts out to to Giancarlo. Um Jose is going to get nine figures from some team. Yeah, I no, I I I do Or I'm... they're going to get a Bounty for him in a couple of years. That's that's true. So let's let's wrap it up because we're almost at an hour here with the last team, uh, the Mets. I mean, the Mets could be the Mets can Ahmed Rosario, if Glaber Torres can anchor a deal, make the argument to why Ahmed Rosario can't. No, I you won't can. do that. I'm yeah. going to be a contrarian. Can. Yeah, absolutely yeah. can. No, I mean, yeah. I think Come can. on, this is someone here. Take a, a side that you do not believe in and argue with them. Via this is agreement radio. <laughs> All right, here's here's. Let's see if I can. If I can no, it's no. okay. Okay, we're, we're not all... actually. We actually. We <laughs> all right, Stephen promise, A. Glazer. We do promise on the Baseball America podcast that to if we genuine. say something, we actually mean it, not yeah. just because we are taking the opposite side to take the opposite side. So basically, we've established we think everyone in the National League that's in contention can make a big move, except for the Marlins. Yeah, because the thing about it is, is and you could argue that the Giants, if the Giants get in a bidding war, they can't win the bidding war with. Again, I, this doesn't mean that you can't. If they wanted to get Andrew Kashner or you know someone like that, Rich Hill, I do think it's very plausible they could put together a deal to do those. If they ended up again like in a bidding war, like we want to roll this Chapman, they probably lose that war because they just don't have that same guy at the very top. But again, with all these, worth remembering, we've seen two trades that have done it already, but. Top 20, top 25 type prospects don't get traded very often at the deadline. We've happened to see, I mean, top 30 right now, because technically Torres is 27, but that the difference between 25 and 27, not very much. It's uh, it's Brad Zimmer is the difference. Apparently yeah. on our list. Yeah. The other thing that's always interesting to me is seeing which team overplays its hand. Because every year there's a trade deadline team that has a piece and they overplay it, and then you say, you know, is there a last-minute panic move? I think that's always kind of one of the fun things for me. Is well, just, I, the weirdest thing that I've to me, of the last week to see was is that where the Diamondbacks have led. Again, teams this is know all that Shelby Miller's available. Teams know that Shelby Miller's available. If I'm the Diamondbacks, 
there is no scenario in which I trade Shelby Miller right now because you're selling so low. That is, <laughs> that is like buying stocks because they had a record high yesterday. Then having the crash of 29 and selling the next day. Do, there is much better to be gained there by just holding on. The worst that happens is, is that his value diminishes slightly from where it is right now. Which the is best, hard because it's already... The best, that happens is, to go to <laughs> the best that happens is you get him back to some form of why you were willing to trade Dansby Swanson for him. Again, you don't want to sell that, at the lowest possible that, point. That's the point of like the Life. last last year, the Marlins. <laughs> that's the backwards the of, poster. The Marlins are looking to trade Marcelo Zuna, and you're thinking, why would you do that? I mean, again, the downside of Marcelo Zuna turning into nothing was significantly less than the downside of turn, trading away Marcelo Zuna and then Marcelo Zuna having the year that he's had this year, Starting which fortunately for the Marlins was in Miami. Yeah. So, You bring in Barry Bonds, he talks to Marcelo Zuna for a while, Ichiro talks to him, all of a sudden you have a hitter. So basically the solution is the Diamondbacks would hire Greg Maddox from UNLV as their pitching coach. That wouldn't be bad. Hire A-Rod from the Yankees, buy him <laughs> out from their contract, make him their hitting coach, bada-bing, bada-boom. And that's a good way to end it. So at the hour lock, you know, we're ending on a bang or a boom or a whatever. So for Kyle Glazer and Josh Norris, who's laughing uncontrollably over there, I'm J.J. Cooper. Thanks for listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.